everyone. I'm Betsy. And I'm Greg. And we want to invite you to check out our podcast, Going On 30. Each month, Betsy and I take a look back at a movie that was released 30 years ago that was either nominated or should have been nominated for Best Picture. We talk about the legacy of the film, choose the best scenes and performances, and explore our own hot takes about the movie. And we discuss the greatness of Tom Cruise, an actor oh, who has graced our screens for multiple decades, taking on some of the most artistically challenging pursuits while displaying what can only be described as an everyman relatability. An actor, nay, a thespian, who pushes oh. the boundaries of what the medium is capable of while revealing the humanity that's underlying. All right, all I'm of- done. I cannot, I cannot tolerate this anymore. So listen to Going on 30 every month right here on the Popping Collar Speed, wherever you get your podcast. I love you, Tom. Oh, jeez. Greg Knight. Hey, I'm Ryan Parker. And this is PCTV, a popping collar side project where we randomly select a current TV show that you should be streaming right now. Ryan and I have each picked six shows from the top streaming apps, including Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, Max, Prime Video, Apple TV Plus. And this month, we we're talking about the Apple TV Plus series, Trying. Sex. Look, I've just had a big dinner and it's one in the morning. Do you still enjoy having sex with me? Absolutely, yes. As much as you used to? Yes. Wow. I've seen the film before, so I'm not on the edge of my seat, but it's still my favourite film of all time. You don't have kids? We have actually been trying for kids for a while now. With your complications, conceiving is very unlikely. So what do we do now? A small piece of us dies and we just carry on with whatever's left. All right. Well, as long as we've got a plan. I think I'm ready to talk about adopting. You've got to be careful with adoption. Mel from the club got a rescue dog. Everywhere. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that information. We need to convince the people that we're great and they're going to judge us. We should make a list of all the flaws that we want to iron out. You drink too much. You should stop smoking. You need to get stronger emotionally. You need to work on your anger. I think we're going to be amazing parents. It is not a test. I am on your side. This is about preparing you for panel. So, how often would you say you have sex? It's a scary business. My kids are vampires that suck every ounce of energy out of me until I'm nothing but an empty carcass. Other than that, you all right? Yeah. Change. It's a bit scary, but you can't get too attached to what you think your life's going to be. Love you. I love you. Even like this? I love you more like that. Oh, for God's sake. You know how lucky you, you are. They are tiny Get little off, miracles. Off, your 17 Twitter followers can wait. Talk to your children. They're not my children. I'm sorry. I'm calling the police. We can't get a criminal record. They won't give us a kid. Sorry, mate. We're not bad people. It's just, it's just very complicated. Open the door. 
this is not a really easy show to Google. You know, you put like trying TV show or trying Apple and you get and like you get, a lot of links to like for, demos and stuff. Yeah, free trials. To, <laughs> yeah, free trials. That's right. Um, okay, I got a brief description of this TV show. Ryan, would you like to hear it? I mean, always. I think I have a description of the first season of the show. It says okay. this. That's good. All Jason and Nikki want is a baby, but it's the one thing they just can't have. So they decide to adopt with their dysfunctional friends, screwball family and chaotic lives. Will the adoption panel think they're ready to be parents? Of all of the synopses that you have read to me <laughs> in this hour, I don't know, 10th recording. Right. That's the most in-depth and accurate of I mean, remember the last one you read for Underground Railroad? Like, right. it's one sentence of like, okay, well, I guess we'll go with this. But this feels like it captures the spirit and plot of the entire three episodes. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those where it's like, you know, we're used to log lines that are like, two human beings may or may not become parents. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so what would we add to this? Um, well, you would have to add that this is an English series, right? This is um British series. British yes. series, yeah. Um set across the pond uh in Camden, England. And um it is uh it has all of the sensibilities that come with a British comedy. Yeah, it it is. And I, I've got to say from the start, part of the reason that I picked this, and there are plenty of apples shows that I've watched since that I think would make for good conversation in a podcast like this. And I may have mentioned a couple before, but you think about shrinking platonic uh, comedies, mm -hmm. um, but this is a, a series that Amy and I have watched from the start and deeply loved. Um, and not in any small part due to the fact that we met in London. So that place is very significant and important to us. So I admit that I'm a bit biased when I when I even went into the show. So mm -hmm. I think my love for that place, the memories that we have in that place, the friends that we still have there really color my engagement with that series. And so I want to name that before we go further into the conversation. But um, that is part of it. Um, but also, I do think it's a genuinely funny and sweet show. And I know that those are two things that we probably want to dig into. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is right up there i mean this is in the same vein of something like a parks and rec or if you were just hanging out with jim and pam from the office i mean it's hard to have bad vibes with this show it's right? a good vibe so. yeah, yeah that's a good point yep so let's just move straight into what are your initial takes on the show i guess since you had already seen it so i was coming to this fresh for this podcast I can kick us off with this, which is to say, I was shocked that there were three seasons of this show. Good point. Yeah. Uh, I am just so, what, I'm just so used to uh, British shows being one season or two seasons. You know, BBC three shows tend to get episodes. in and get out. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm thinking of things like The Office, 
UK version, Fleabag. You know, it's usually six episode series that uh, get you in really quickly and get you out really quickly. And this one is three eight episode seasons. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, you know, spoilers, I guess the third season ends on a cliffhanger, which implies that there's a fourth. So it feels a lot more like an office US version or any other American sitcoms that just sort of go on and on modern family or something like that. Yeah. And I I think I even think about series like Sherlock, which with Benedict Cumberbatch, which I would they could make that until the world ends and I would watch it like it's but they're content to just leave it with these very short seasons, sometimes even kind of like a mini series where it's just maybe three episodes, you know, or two, you know, two parts, whatever. But yeah, I don't it's an interesting I saw your notes, you know, we talk about this before we start recording and there's not a lot about the series that feels extraneous, like that it's drug out. Mm-hmm. And eight, eight episodes is still not 22. Right. right? So it, it would be interesting to know a little bit, maybe behind the curtain about how some of those conversations went just logistically of in the pitch or in the development of it. But it does feel like every episode is building on in a meaningful way rather than sidetracking. Now, You've got a bit more, as you said just a second ago, your perspective is, is a bit fresher than mine. So you may disagree with that. But it, I, I I didn't watch, I don't remember us watching many episodes and looking at each other going, well, I can't wait till the next one for it to kind of drive the plot forward. Yeah, I think there's an aspect of this, too, where I watched all three seasons back to back to back, you know, sometimes four or five episodes, six episodes at a time, just kind of chewing through them, right? Mm -hmm. And I can imagine having a layoff in between seasons, especially with these characters, and really getting excited about coming back into sort of familiar settings and, and picking up where some of the side characters had left off. I I think, for instance, of Jason's parents who start in a very particular place where they're I mean, they're awful, basically, uh, to him, to Nikki, to everybody. And by the time you get to the end of the third season, they're the loveliest people that you would ever want to know in your life. And the growth, you know, that arc is fun to follow. But it's especially fun, you think, when they're starting to make that turn from heel to baby face, like leaving (laughs) season two and going into season three. And I would love the idea of like checking back in and say, oh, it's them again. You know, Jason's parents. I love those guys. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. Well, okay, I've got some other stuff about the length of the season, but it kind of applies to my favorite actor for the series. So I'm going to save it. So what? What is your best scene, sequence, episode, or storyline? I'm so enamored with the setting of the show. Mm. I just, I can't get past that. I love everything about contemporary British shows like that because there's still a giant part of me that thinks about and wants to live in London, and I think about it daily. Like, it's just, it it, it, means, it means so much to me, and I'm I'm so drawn to that place and that culture that, to watch it on TV is like a drug for me. So 
I'm really enamored with the setting of the show. It's not something that we talk about a lot. I'm also really into the music of the show mm-hmm. where Bears Den is writing songs that are they're giving they're being given scripts and they're writing songs that complement the scripts. And yeah, some of that stuff may be on the nose, but damn it if it's not really yeah. good. It's good yeah. music that I would listen to independent of the show because I like that style of music. It's kind of um folksy they're I, I believe they're british but it's kind of has a kind of an americana feel to it really quite beautiful in my opinion so those are things that i really like about the show which are kind of the elements that are external to the plot or yeah. any of the that i think for me work you know storyline well the whole adoption thing hits really close to home as well because my sister has adopted two boys. And so that the whole idea of adoption is really important in our family. I we knew those almost moments, mm-hmm. right? How heartbreaking those were. Mm-hmm. And so to kind of see this play out in a comedy was was very refreshing and uh, meaningful for us. We do have uh, important chats early on. Mm-hmm. I want to be a cool dad. No, wanna... no, no, no. No one wants cool parents. We're just, we're going to be boring. And don't forget why you're doing it. Yeah. We need something in our lives that's bigger than us and that will outlive us, carry on after we've gone. We will, all right? We have loads of plastic bags in our kitchen drawer. <laughs> Do try to be patient. How am I going to find a kid? Ellie's gone. You kidding? She only come on the site yesterday. What's all that? They go so quickly. It's like trying to get Glastonbury tickets. And you should be prepared for a bit of disappointment. Hmm. Think it. What am I supposed to do with a boy, Jace? Society already fills him with confidence. How can I compete with society, Jace? It's bloody everywhere. Do do practice your parenting skills. Yeah, it's just a bit of football in the park with some kids. Football. It's a bit of football. That's good. That's yeah, fine. <laughs> Don't lose your sense of humour. Happy? Yeah. And why have you got your head in your hands? Huh? And do always be there for each other. Yeah, did Camden give you Berkeley vibes? It did. It, it did because I went to Camden before I moved to Berkeley or to, to the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Um, and that place was all, always felt so cool to me because I remember buying bootleg DVDs, you know, right. and like, growing up in rural Mississippi was something I would never even have thought of. And um, it's just so it was gritty. Now look, gentrification and changes in the city. There'll be people who will say, Oh, that this Camden Camden is not the Camden of old. Mm-hmm. And certainly the Camden that they're in is not the Camden that most people would know um, from, you know, that kind of punk aesthetic that seemed so cool to me the first time I went there, but now it's home to, to, some places that are cool to me, like the the Camden Town Brewing Company and different places like that, that I, that I also love. So um, I don't know that that totally comes through in the show, but I feel like know. they dig into it a couple of times. You know, they have like the punks sitting on the, you know, on like the sidewalks or you know walls or something like that every now and then. Yeah, good point. Yeah, um, you know, the reason that it it seemed like Berkeley to me is that. Berkeley is one of those places that 
you can feel that it had a history at some point, but certainly what it is now is not what it probably was at one point, but it seems like it still has some of the legacy of what it was. And that's what Camden kind of feels like here. It's got that legacy of kind of working class London, punk, kids, London, but it's very gentrified. You know, the third season, they have that, the flat being sold where they're living way outside of their price range. They would never be able to afford it. And so you get this sense that there's an economy to all of this that's definitely way more than it was in the recent past, but it still kind of has the the feeling of that recent past, even if um, even if the present doesn't quite look like it. Yeah, that's a that I, I I like that. I, I think you're right. It you you know you can make the point. You can make a larger point about just the city of London as a whole, right? Mm-hmm. That there's a generation of people who probably look at London now as like a sellout, and yeah. you know, probably New York as well, Los Angeles, and I would even say this: like I went back to you know we lived in L.A. for about eight years before we moved back to Mississippi, and we lived in a very uh, unbeknownst to us at the time when we moved there a very trendy, hip neighborhood. But we only moved there because it was walking distance to the hospital where Amy worked, and but we grew to love that place and mm-hmm. it was it came home to us and it, it really felt like a community to us. And I went back recently and I was like, Oh, this neighborhood's gone to sh-. there's a yeah. shake yeah. in the place yeah. where the Cali sun pizza used to be like, and I was only there for eight years. I mean, you think about right. somebody that lived in Canon as a teenager and a young adult and formative years in their life. And they see it through the eyes of this series. It may feel like a different place, you know? Okay. Wait, uh, I still haven't said my best scene. We've just gone off on city planning and gentrification. Uh, <laughs> um, so for me, my best scene was the Jason infidelity storyline uh, okay. from the first season. So there's this wayback machine. Okay, so here's the thing about the show that y- you have to buy into, and they do a good job of this from the from the outset. Okay. You have to like Jason and Nikki in order for the show to work. If you don't like either of them, then the show is. Why are you watching the show? You're not going to watch the show. <laughs> it's no. not going to work. Yeah. It's been a full on year for me and Nikki. Ups and downs. Finally defrosted the fridge. Yeah. Gave serious consideration to starting yoga. Honestly, I've never been closer. Also, oh yeah, it turns out we can't have kids. So we're going to adopt. Children! They're not my children! Yeah, that was big. It'll be fine, though, as long as we keep our heads. Our family's really encouraging. Certain things you don't get second-hand. Underwear, children. Our support network couldn't be more positive. My kids suck every ounce of energy out of me until I'm nothing but an empty carcass. And we got approved. No bother at all. Sailed right through. Communication would be at the top. Right, then you got honesty underneath that. But the communication sort of encompasses both of them. Um, actually, don't worry, Nikki's eyeballing me. Right, you're up to date. Uh, and I think both of these actors do a really good job. You know, they they really play into, like I said, that sort of Pam and Jim vibe from the office listen esther smith who plays nikki 
for a lot of people will be an unknown. Oh, yeah. Especially if you're listening to this. And then you have somebody like Rafe Spall, who is an identifiable character, uh, character actor. Although I think he's a bit more than that. I, I'll come back to him in a minute. The way in which Esther plays Nikki, she's a very quirky character. Mm-hmm. And I could see where some people could be alienated by that or turned off by that. But yeah, sorry to interrupt, but you're exactly right about having to buy in with them. Yeah. I mean, that's the show is predicated on you. You've got to like these people so that when, you know, when they face these challenges, like you're in it with them and you want them to succeed. You want them to overcome, you know, all of the bureaucracy and the red tape and all the things that come with sort of adoption and and all Mm -hmm. of that. Yep. Um, And so in the first season, Jason is teaching at the school and he, he, you know, in the middle of all of, you know, probably the darkest moments of season one where they're, where they're struggling as a couple, they're facing a lot of challenges and all of that stuff. He seemingly is offered the opportunity to have a tryst with one of the other uh, students that are at the school. Now this isn't like, you know, like a minor or anything. These are, this is like a community college that he's teaching yeah. at. Basically yeah. he's teaching English to adults, but he has this opportunity to potentially form a relationship with one of these people. And for a while there, it, the show is really ambiguous about what it is that Jason's actually doing. And if he maybe is considering pursuing this, Yep. And there's a moment where the characters have to talk to each other and Nikki suspects that Jason uh, has been unfaithful and she confronts him on it. And he mistakenly thinks that she's talking about his best friend and admits to <laughs> infidelity, but not on his behalf, on his best friend's behalf. It's It's one of those moments where, you know, the show was right on the edge of a knife and it had you sort of guessing okay so which way is this gonna go is this gonna go the the way that i kind of think it is which is like the wholesome everything's gonna work out route or is the show gonna go a little more complex and maybe a little darker route and it goes the more wholesome path and then the only thing that i would say is once it makes that choice you know as a viewer that every other time they face adversity, it's always going to work out. Um, yeah. And sometimes, sometimes, sometimes that's okay. I think for people, you know, it's like um, it's like comfort food television, which I which I think is really good to have. Guilty, but it guilty. does take some of the stakes away from the show once that happens. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. You know what? And I bet too that the scriptwriters were thinking the same thing. They were like, "Oh man." We could do something really weird and interesting with Jason here. Really dark. But that's not the show we're writing. So let's yeah. just stick to that. Yeah. We're going to come back to that, by the way. <laughs> uh, okay. So best performance from the show. Well, I've already tipped my hat. I think it's for me, it's Rafe Spall because I, I just think he's such a charismatic person. He's got such great presence on screen. I don't know if you've seen the ritual, but I think that's a, I love the ritual. One of the best monster reveals of any sort of monster movie I've ever watched. It's a quite, quite good film. And he's, he really helps carry that. So 
I'm really attracted to him, like visually and uh, the way he he kind of carries himself and and embodies this role, which I think is a hard thing to do um, when you think about the the presentation of couples trying to adopt. Usually, it's really so female driven. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, like this, you know, in this case, Nikki wanting to be a mother, but I think there is a desire on the part of uh, of, of his character to have children right and i think that's and it has as much to do with his profound love for nikki as it does like him wanting to be a dad you know and that's i i don't know i think that was really sweet and tender um so anyway i i just like him quite a bit and also uh darren boyd is scott because he's a bit of comic relief but i also kind of relate to some of his difficulty trying to find his place in life you know at the (laughs) What is he probably in his late forties, early fifties? Right. Like, what am I going to do? And you know, they they play a lot of that for humor. But I think by the third season, they come around and kind of humanize. Maybe the wrong word, but the way in which the show, I, I think, almost pivots with his character is is very heartwarming and effective. Yeah, he kind of becomes useful. In a way, I don't know if yeah, that's the right. a, a lot of these characters. A lot. So Nikki and Jason, at the heart of the show, are these very sort of loving, quirky, funny, warm people, and they're surrounded by very cold people. Mm, and yeah. Yeah. the the show is about cracking open all of these people and making yeah. them into human beings like into actual like warm loving good people and it just slowly works one after another after another um and as Nikki and Jason are adding sort of these you know members of you know these loving members to their family that's what is sort of breaking open the hearts of all these characters that are around them yeah i like that what about you uh okay so for me this is easy it's Emilda stanton 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 yep uh you know or is dolores I mean, umbridge from harry potter yeah but you should also know her from a host of other amazing films <laughs> she's on the crown she's uh she's the queen right on the new season of the crown yes but it, have you seen vera drake oh yeah vera drake remember vera drake that was a she's a, a really good actor. okay Look. all right so here's okay. here's Sorry. where i wanted to get into the length of the show a little bit because this is something that british shows will do is that occasionally they can bring in big name actors for you know a a little while anyway either as like cameos or for a season or something like that and it actually kind of works a little bit better for bbc shows to be short because usually these actors need to move on to other projects imelda comes in and immediately scores big points because she's just she's She's such a great actress, and she's one of those people that once she's on the screen, she's center stage. Even if she's not in the center of the camera, she's yep. eating up all of the lines and taking up all of the scenes because she she's just so compelling to watch. 
And so the yep. frustration for me comes when the third season rolls around and she's clearly moved on to another project. And now we're left with a show that feels a little less than because we've lost our big actor mm. for the show. And so for me, season one, season two, great. I loved it when she showed up. If she shows up again in the future, that'll be amazing. But the fact that she was missing for season three kind of made me feel like uh, maybe we should wrap up the show, you know, if we're just going to lose lose good actors like this. I do also like that, you know, for for so many people, she was just this big, bad villain from the Harry Potter series. Right. And and even in that in those movies where she appears, she's just the worst and so seeing her uh as one of the most wonderful human beings you could ever hope to (laughs) be a part of your life uh honest and real but also really uh loving and encouraging um that was fun to see too you know that sort of playing against type kind of thing right what do you need to know this is my boyfriend jason He's great. I mean, his hair's better longer, but... <laughs> I'll go shirts, if that... Is that right? So, it turns out we can't have kids the fun way. Which is, you know, it's absolutely, completely, totally fine. So what do we do now? A small piece of us dies and we just carry on with whatever's left. All right. Well, as long as we've got a plan. But we have a plan. We're going to adopt our own family. And I thought, right, if we are going to do this, we need to become more, you know, grown up start using bay leaves in cooking even though they don't taste of anything and everyone knows it talking like an american again you never hate it when you do that but then i've sort of realized you never really feel grown up or ready enough for the big stuff do you you just have to sort of do it anyway or you run out of time so that's what we're doing we're doing it anyway let's see what happens shall we all right so now we come into the the home stretch of every episode but one that I was really interested to see where you would go with a show like this theology corner. I, I see where you're going to go. Cause we've talked about this. One thing I want to add that just kind of occurred to me is just this whole, I know it's probably been like beating a dead horse, but just this idea of adoption as mm-hmm. kind of a theological concept of being taken into relationship and building a family uh, that has nothing to do with kind of biological um, relationships it, is really in, intriguing to me. And it's not something that we probably need to hash out here. I'm a little bit more interested in where you want to go with this, quite frankly. But I, just, I thought I would give the nod to that of what family looks like. Yeah. And, and sometimes, you know, also this idea of expectation versus reality, too. You know, there are so many times where... Jason and Nikki think they know what they're getting into and mm-hmm. it's never quite exactly <laughs> what yeah. they think it is. Right. And ever. Yeah. I mean, there's three episodes where they're showing you a picture of this little boy and you're like, well, okay, I guess that's the kid that they're going to end up with. You know, spoilers. That is not the kid that they end <laughs> up with. Right. Um, and that's so about, about parents, biological parents who have biological children you don't get the child you right order a child you know like you get what you get right 
And yeah. and that's the thing. Like that's the thing I really do appreciate about the show is is you know it's the old Ferris Bueller, right? Life comes at you pretty fast, and a lot of times, you know, you either jump on the treadmill and get up to speed, or you get kind of run over a little bit. And there's a few times where Nikki and Jason get run over because things aren't perfect but nothing's perfect right and that's the adoption part kind of puts its finger on a lot of that problems in the system you know problems for these kids you know like the the homes that they're leaving behind or the situations that they're leaving behind like the show gets into a lot of that stuff which is which is really good and thoughtful it's not like Okay, I'm going to go down to the store and pick out a kid from the adoption, you know, adoptions are us or something, you know, it doesn't work that way. But uh, on the other the other side of that being for a couple like Nikki and Jason who don't have substantial financial means, that should not preclude them from being able to adopt a child. Right. Right. Because we know that the that the love that they can give a child is so important and so valuable that so what if they don't have that whole extra bedroom, right. Mm-hmm. Or, or whatever, you know, physical restrictions that, that they would place that agencies would place on a couple like Nikki and Jason. So yeah, yeah that's, what, that's where Jason's me. dad uh, really comes through just clutch is sort of that, that sort of, um, you know, calling out the bureaucracy yeah, for, yeah. The, for the silliness that it is. Yeah. Well, okay. What's your big theology corner? Because there's a there's a a really possibly even deeper spiritual component at work here. Yeah, I mean, I was just I was reflecting back on the shows that we've talked about so far, and I wouldn't say any of them are bad. I mean, you know, all the shows we've talked about are masterpieces. I think just really good shows, but they tend to skew on the darker side. I'm. Uh, well, not all of them, I guess, but a lot of them uh, have that we've talked about. You know, one of the things that I was trying to think back through, you know, 20 years ago, The Sopranos would have been big. I don't think Breaking Bad had started yet. But one of the things that I did want to put my finger on is about 20 years ago was when American Idol was huge, right? No, American Idol would have been in the early 2000s. Okay, 20 years. Yeah. Sopranos started in 99. Yeah. So it, it, there was something around the turn of the millennium. So during American the Idol 2000s and into like the first part of the 2010s. Yeah. Where television was effing mean, man. Like it was a mean place to be. Okay. So it was a lot of anti hero shows and whatever reality shows that were out there. They were either cutthroat reality shows or reality shows where you made fun of other people for being bad singers or bad, you know, costume, like clothing designers or bad, bad at running around the world on a race. Like, you know, it was, it was, yeah, American Idol, as much as it was like celebrating this talent. The majority of that show in the first half of every season was about making fun of people who couldn't sing. Right. Yeah. That's That's what people would look for were the bad auditions. Like that was what would get shared, you know, around on like, I don't know, a social media thing. I mean, kind of like by 2007 or eight or something. But 
um, that those were the things that we get talked about um, were the bad auditions, right? And so something something has happened to us because I was just watching I was watching football the other night and they had a, a preview for the new season of The Voice with Reba McIntyre is on there. There is nothing about that show that is not sort of like sweet to the point of almost being sickeningly sweet. You know, it's like so over the top positive that you don't necessarily see like there's no trace of sort of negativity or anything in it. And if there is like those judges get booed immediately for being negative to the contestants. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, And so it just, it like something has happened where I, I mean, that does that doesn't mean that there aren't still anti-hero shows, right? House of the Dragon isn't a wholesome, wonderful, sweet show. Succession wasn't a wholesome, wonderful, sweet show. Like these these shows still exist, but they feel like they're a little more of an anomaly now than what it is that we were just fed for so long. Yeah. You know, the time leading up to that. Well, the question, like, I guess that's the question I, I had being back in the South, you have conversations about politics and religion and all that stuff. And you think about the way the needle has been moved for both sides, of the political spectrum, mm-hmm. like what that means for like how, who is a Republican or who is a Democrat and what that looks like now. And it's not what it looked like 20 years ago. Right. It's just not. And I think the same thing is to your point. I, I think there's a, par- a parallel in television that we've so moved the needle that now if you and I want to talk about and we've already used these words. If we want to talk about a show like trying, we have to almost apologize that we like it because it's attempting to bring joy and hope and humor. Right. Because everything's going to work out like that's the thing about this show. I mean, I can tell you in season four, something dramatic is going to happen. But trust me, it's all going to work out <laughs> like it's going to be fine. That's what the show think? is. Yeah. Do you think? I mean, is there a world in which this they conclude and maybe they don't end up adopting? No, no. I mean, I that, that's, even that's just that, not the show, right? Even like, saying that sounds stupid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the show. Yeah. And so that's the that's the thing. It's I don't know. I wonder sometimes if our capacity as human beings for emotion is just all over the map right now. How do you mean? I, I'm thinking because you're right, like politics does play a role in this. And if you're, you know, sort of disenchanted with the war in Iraq and the Bush administration and what you perceive of as incompetency. Oh, and and don't, you know, don't forget also 2003, right? So um, the spotlight investigation exposing, um, you know, the mm-hmm. uh, cruel abuses of clergy in the Catholic Church. Yeah. That is a time to be skeptical of institutions and of people who represent institutions. And it feels like television was very much in that mold of all of these guys are corrupt. Everything around you is broken. You know, here's here's the story of how the broken people took over the world. Right. 
I feel like over the last, well, certainly since the pandemic, but probably since the election of Donald Trump, you know, the news outlets of the world are about dumping as much despair and anxiety and panic into you as possible. Yeah. And that's all all paid for. Right. But that's that's their job. Right. Because that's what that's what keeps you on the hook watching the crawl at the bottom of the screen. It's the same thing that like Twitter or X or whatever does. They just want to keep that dopamine of despair running through your brain. Yeah. But the reality shows have become more wholesome. The sitcoms have become more wholesome over that span. There's something about the bite-sized entertainment because the hour longs like House of the Dragon, Succession, Beef, kind of, you know, that stuff is still complex and still kind of anti-hero stuff. But the comedies, the short bite stuff, that is as sweet and as, what, as light as I think it's ever been. But I do think that there's an element to trying. And then I think of another series on Apple, like Shrinking, which I've mentioned before, that are, yes, they are light, to your point. But those other shows, the the issue of adoption may get one episode, or mental health may get one episode, and you think, or an aging parent may get one episode. And you think about a show like Shrinking, where you have a Harrison Ford's character. And then you have Jason Siegel's character. The former is aging out of uh, his job, right? He's and his health is deteriorating. Mm-hmm. Jason Siegel's relationship is his wife is dead. That's the bedrock of the show. It's yeah. not just a special or it's not just a thing. So, but I agree with you. They are light and they are full of joy. And I would say hope. But they're not shying away from, or they're not just giving lip service to kind of make deeper themes, mm-hmm. if you will. Yeah, Maybe. I just I, I feel like um, I feel like there's something about the pop culture landscape right now that's kind of working to segment human emotion into different places, depending on what the different media are. But there's, there's your dissertation. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, no, seriously, like you, you we talked about before in the promo like being a concierge right you're talking about trying to identify what those are and or present content to present series to people based on their mood or what they're interested in in the moment and i mean that's a that's a potential way to do that but it's that's gonna that's gonna get dark when the ai starts feeding us what it is that we think we want absolutely and i think but your correlation between time and mood or emotion or tone is that's not to sound dismissive or whatever but that's quite interesting like i think there's something there well i will say this and this is stealing a line from uh one of my uh partners on the popping collars uh main feed uh liz easton where she says, you are what you eat. And that's not just about food. It's everything that you consume is what you're taking into your body. So if you are consuming entertainment, 
that is given over to despair, that's what you're consuming. That's how you're going to see the world, right? Because that's what your that's what your eyes are taking in. That's what you're consuming. I mean, if all you watch is Fox News, yeah, you know, I think that there's a place. There's a there's a place for hope. There's a place for rest and renewal. There's a place for mercy, right? And well, sometimes a, it's places like trying that give you that kind of thing. Yeah, I love that, man. I, I that resonates with with me. I had my PhD advisor talked about film as food, and he yeah. was there's there's a place for McDonald's. There's yeah. a place for fast food. There's a place for comfort food. Mm-hmm. And there's a place for there's a place for healthy food. That that that's where I think you can really think about critics responses to to films and tv series we, we would talk about this in school all the time is this idea of judging content on some kind of through some singular lens right yeah well, i started watching teenage mutant ninja turtles mutant mayhem last night <laughs> i would give that in letterboxd you know i would give that a four or five star rating <laughs> but would i compare it to citizen kane Right. Hell no. But <laughs> for what it is, it is yeah. excellent. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. An animated show on an iP like it's it is fresh. The animation is great. It's right. funny. The voice acting is great. Is it the greatest film of the year? No. Should it be nominated for an Oscar for animation? Yes. Like you the nuance in how we talk about film and TV. Mm-hmm. I think I think you're is what you're getting at. There's a there's a time and a place for different yeah. Concepts. I want to move us over to industry corner because I want to go in on Apple a little bit. <laughs> and I'm very intrigued by this based on your notes. I don't really have a lot to say. Let me say real quick what I wanted to say, and then I I really want to know where 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 your head's at with this because industry corner for me this is just testament to. The fact that I think Apple TV Plus at the moment is the place for comedy. If you want to go to comedies, Ted Lasso, Shrinking, Platonic, Trying, Murder Party. I think Mm -hmm. there's a lot on offer there if you're looking for something for for, um, half hour comedies that are well written, great casts, very funny, smart. I think this is a place to go. That's my industry corner soapbox. You know, that's funny because you keep you were running off these comedies, and before you started running off that list, I thought of Apple as the place of sci-fi because I was thinking of I was thinking of things like Silo, Foundation, For All Mankind, and I was like, oh, Apple's really like carved out a spot for themselves as like the sci-fi streamer. You're right. I kind of like Foundation. I got to get back into season two, but yeah, that's a good point too. Yeah. Okay. What What's your What's your hot take here on the industry? Okay. All right. Okay. So I got to start all of this by saying I'm not an Apple guy. I've only ever owned what PCs and like laptops. I've only ever owned Android phones or you know whatever. Uh, Google or Samsung, you? whatever. What are you, know. you doing? No, <laughs> listen, listen. I I'm one of those guys, and this is probably this is a bit of Gen X mentality coming out. In that, you know, once everybody jumps on board with something, I'm the guy oh. saying, "Oh, well, screw that. I'm not gonna do that." Then, right? Like, 
<laughs> if everybody else thinks it's cool, I'm going, I'm zagging, you know. How um, are you so... and I even talking about TV at all now? Like... <laughs> so, uh, so there was a part of me that was like uh, a little turned off by the Apple marketing. And so I just didn't adopt it. But then the other, there's another side of it too, where I just don't want to learn a new operating system. I learned windows and i don't want to learn anything else and so um and so part of it is laziness on my part as well like i'm just not you know i'm just not trying to go out and and learn the new all of that being said there are jarring moments in this show where someone pulls out their iphone or looks at something on their uh I I what is it? I'm Mac. What's the laptop? I don't even remember. The, the Air, Mac Air the or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the MacBook. Yes. Um you knew what it was called. Stop. <laughs> Absolutely knew. I'm not playing. Or they'll, or they'll pull out an iPad for something. You know, it's just it is so there are there are parts of this where I'm like wait a second did i stumble into an apple commercial in the middle of my tv show because it's just so in your face with the apple products fair enough okay so all of that being said i you know apple can do whatever they want to they're you know a billion dollar company like amazon we've talked about you know we've talked about amazon in this way yeah yeah um they they have products that they want to sell and if they have a tv channel that sells their products that's fine there's something a little i i i call it evil adjacent it's not evil but it doesn't feel good to me either where you know uh what the the company has a policy that like villains in products in projects can't use apple products so if you have uh is this true? This is true. This is true. I swear to God. I will I will Google it right now. But um, yeah, if you're a bad guy on a show, you can't be shown using an Apple product. So if you're a villain in a movie or something like that, they they won't sign off on uh anybody using an Apple. Okay, I just see that this is a thing that's on the news. I mean, it's on the Google, it's on the Google. So like Oh, it was knives out. That's where it came from. Yes. Uh, because Ryan Johnson wanted to use an iPhone uh, for one of the for uh, one of the killers in one of the movies, and Apple said, "No, you cannot yeah. do that." Yeah, but hold on, it's not an Apple film. No, no, but it's it's an Apple rule that they have, which that's actually Ryan Johnson didn't know about it until he he had this person using an iPhone, and Apple contacted him and said, "No, you can't do that." What's the, how is that even legal? (laughs) Um, Okay, so according to Google, right, Apple has never specifically said bad guys can't use iPhones, but its official guidelines say an Apple product should be shown only in the best light. Well, I'm just going to go flush mine down the toilet. (laughs) I'm not remotely about to do that. That's crazy to me. Isn't that wild? It's wild. I I got to admit that. It feels a little off, right? Like it, it does. doesn't feel quite right. It yeah. feels off. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. this is this is coloring your perspective of their shows. 
Yeah, and I guess that's the thing. That that was always kind of my deal with Apple. Every time Steve Jobs would come out to do like a product launch, it felt Messiah. It felt a little cultish, right? It felt a little feels really odd sometimes. The amount of identity that's tied into the Apple product as a thing, you know. But um, I will say this about the about Apple and the product is like it works and it always works. And yeah. um, it does what I want it to do. But I will say the the excitement factor about, I do like tech. I, I like things. I like Lego. I like, you know, games. Like, but there's nothing revolutionary anymore. There's nothing meaningful. And about right. any of this stuff, like, well, what else, what's next? Like, you know, I mean, I have ideas about what's next, but. This idea of getting excited about or being loyal to this product because it's Apple is meaningless to me. Yeah. That's beside, that's just completely irrelevant because every time it's like, oh, we're announcing the iPhone 15. Oh, you just use titanium. Who cares? Yes. Like, you know, it's purple now. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's kind of boring. I'm like, it does what it needs to do. I get to read the news on it, watch stuff on it. And that's, you know, like, quit being so precious with it like yeah. until you can kind of revolutionize it again i i just like giving apple a hard time but there there are some times where i'm just like okay you guys are a little precious about your product and at the end of the day there is a bit of apple tv plus that kind of feels like you know it's just a giant apple commercial right it's just a way for them to sell Apple products while you're watching the morning show. Okay. Ryan, we've Get got that. two shows left here. Really? Yeah. So yeah, trying is our October show. So we've got November, oh, wow. December, and then Oh, November, December. What a trip. And then we just re-up on shows. Uh okay. I'm gonna spin the wheel. Wait, oh hold on, hold on. I, I have yet to negotiate my contract uh. for the re-upping <laughs> of the shows. Um well, I'm we gonna- still haven't done what? I'm going to need to see residuals and AI. Ah. And... <laughs> All right, what are the last two shows? What are our options? That's true. All that pod money that we've got rolling in. I'm going to have to, uh, gonna have to re-up. Flip a, flip a coin. What are the two shows? What do we got to choose from? Um, I, You know what? Honestly, I don't know if we're going to talk about either of these shows. Because I could see both of these shows getting traded out. Uh, we have either Severance, which was my Apple TV pick, mm-hmm. or your Hulu pick, which is Dope Sick. Oh, we could stick with. Oh, why would I trade out Dope Sick? I was just talking about that show last night. Because we haven't talked about the bear yet. Okay, I got to spin this wheel. Okay, hang on. I'm going to solve. All right. <laughs> Kornokuro cabinet. Okay, it's back to back. Apple TV Plus. My show came up. Severance. I got to get back into it. I started it but did not finish. Well, here's the deal. I'm going to make a trade. Because you sent me... 11th hour. You sent me the screener for a show that I I started watching and was thinking, oh, this isn't going to be my jam. I just know it. And then 
what, 10 hours later, I'm sitting on my couch at 3 a.m. thinking, Ronnie, doggone it. Silo. We're going to do Silo. Silo is going to be my Apple TV Plus pick. I'm not wrong. It's good. It's a good show. It's a good show. We're going to talk about it next time. That's going to be our uh, our next episode is Silo. Yeah. Uh, we can record that tomorrow. I'm ready. <laughs> All right. All right. Ryan, thank you for taking a stroll uh, down the Camden waterway with me. Mm, just to be back there. Let's go. I, I don't think I would jump into that water, though, if I were you. That doesn't seem like a... Seem like a great idea. We will go to Camden Town Brewing Company and I'll buy you a beer. Uh, I will take a beer from Camden Town Brewing Company. I will not be wearing an Arsenal uh, scarf. uh, No, you will not. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) But I will definitely drink your beer. That's for sure. All right. We will see you next time. Thanks. Thanks.